I have something brand new that I'm super excited to share with you. It's called the Community Creators Hub, and I've made it just for you. You can search through every episode of this podcast by keyword, download all of my favorite guides and resources, and find all of my recommended tools for community creators. And the best part? It's completely free. Just go to Community Creators Hub, that's Community Creators Hub, H-U-B, dot com to get your free access. As a business owner, you've probably heard plenty of people tell you that you need to spend time defining your avatar or getting clear on the person that you want to serve. Chances are you've heard it so much that you've skipped right over it, maybe halfway completed a worksheet from a course. Well, my guest today, Ginger Dean, is going to share with you why diving deep into the inner thoughts of your avatar is so important and how it has helped her build a membership with thousands of members. This is for you, the online business owner who wants to maximize your profit and multiply your impact. I'm Shanna, host of the Community Creators Podcast. I've spent over a decade helping top brands and entrepreneurs create thriving communities that increase their reach, retention, and revenue. This podcast is where I share my best insights and invite you into conversations with the world's leading community creators and cultivators. So grab your favorite mug, fill it up, and let's get started. I'm super excited, friends, because I have with me today my friend Ginger Dean. And if you do not follow her on Instagram, you will be after this episode. So she has a membership called Loving Me After We. And what she does is she helps women end the cycle of rejection, abandonment, and heartbreaks that they can heal and build amazing confidence, which I feel like most women listening to this right now are like, man, I wish I had that. If not now, before. And I know that's me. Like, I wish I would have had that years ago because I definitely needed it then. But I think what's so unique about Ginger is that she comes with this psychotherapist background. So it's not just somebody who experienced these things themselves and then came and is giving advice to people because they've been through that. She is a psychotherapist. So she specializes in healing trauma after toxic relationships and was doing that with one-on-one clients before she decided to build an online community and then eventually create this membership. But there's one thing that she does really well that I'm going to make sure that we talk about today that I think every single business owner needs to get better at, but we'll dive into that in just a bit. But first, hey, Ginger, it's so good to see you. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. And I love it. I always like give people a little bit of behind the scenes, but Ginger hops on and she's like, it's been a crazy day. And I'm like, it's fine. It's good. We got it. This is how we roll. Because what I know is that because of what we talk about on this podcast is stuff that you do so naturally, it's people come in and they're just all over the place. And we're like, we got this. We're still going to deliver an amazing episode. So Ginger, just so that people can get to know you a little bit, I do want to talk just for a second before we ask like my question of all questions. Talk a little bit about your background, because I do think this whole psychotherapy background and then what you're doing is something that really sets you apart from most relationship memberships. Uh, so I'm my name is Ginger Dean, uh, founder of Loving Me After We, and uh, I am a psychotherapist. So my specialty is in codependency, 
toxic relationships, attachment trauma, um, essentially the children and partners of narcissists is what you probably nutshell it out to be. So pretty much anyone who's experienced childhood trauma and then grown up now to be experiencing attachment trauma and codependency issues. So what that can look like is, you know, you, we've all potentially had that friend who was in a toxic or an abusive relationship and they just could not seem to leave or they just keep on going back to the person or they just find themselves in a string of toxic relationships. And so it often has ties to childhood trauma or just even things that happen in our 20s, you know, can definitely shape, you know, what happens. So those are the things that we unpack in the membership. Oh, this is, is so good and it's so needed. I just am sitting here. I'm like, oh, yeah, like I'm totally that girl with daddy issues that would date the guy for far too long that had cheated on me a gajillion times, treated me like junk. And yet I still stayed with him. And all my friends were like, what are you doing? You're so smart. Like, I don't get it. But it does. It all ties back to all of these inner parts, right? And this emotional side of ourselves. And so you were doing this one on one and had your practice. And do you still have your practice? No, no, no. The inner definitely takes a lot of time. And I'm coming off of the tail end of just submitting my manuscript for my book. So it's been a really hectic time. So I really haven't had much time for much. So I'm probably a week into feeling a little bit more free as of late. So it's just been a struggle for the most part. Yeah. What's your book going to be about? You know what? It's going to be about... I want it to be kind of like the healing Bible for healing after toxic relationships. One of the things that we find inside the inner circle is that we read a book every single month and it would be great to have a book that just kind of like compiles some, a little bit of each of those books all together, because I typically get questions like, well, what do you think about inner child work? What books do you have for that? What about a book where I can't like, I have limerence and I can't really get over someone. I'm really obsessed with them. What about the book where I experienced childhood trauma? What if I want to just learn about how attachment styles show up today? What about trauma responses? There's so much that goes into this topic. And I think it can leave people feeling like, oh God, one more thing to do, one more thing to do. And I want to be able to encapsulate the entire process into a book. And so I know we're not going to have um, every single book in there, right? But it's more so like, you know, just feeling like you don't have to read four books on attachment. You don't have to read, you know, three books on trauma responses or 10 on narcissism either. Because I think that once we have an awareness and an in, some insights into what happens and those become the catalysts for change. So essentially that's what the book is focused on. It's really focused on helping us gain awareness around what happened or why it happened and how we got where we are today and then providing a healing path uh, towards the end. I love that because it's like you're taking this massive knowledge base in this subject of trauma healing and you're curating it for your specific community of people who are trying, whose trauma is has impacted them in a very specific way that they're trying to heal from so that they can like you say, that they can love themselves and that they don't feel like they need somebody else in their life to provide that sense of identity and validation and all the other things we seek in, in relationships. That's awesome that you're doing that. And, and we'll get into this more in a little bit, but that just speaks to how you are so clear on who it is that you serve and what they need. And you're really good at curating something specifically for them. But before we dive into that, I'd love to just sort of ask you the question I ask everybody, which is what is your favorite community you have ever been a part of? And what did you love about it? 
I would say Stu's TME community is like the best just because his energy level is like, I had a consult with someone yesterday. They were like, I can take Stu in 10 minute doses. And I was like, they're like, he's so energetic. And I'm like, I know he is. And it's great. You'll love, you're going to love the program. Cause they were like, you know, what did you think? And I was just like, it's great. Like, I mean, the community is like, I've never had a community that was just so plugged in. That's just like there and they're asking questions and they're helping each other out. And, you know, you go to other Facebook groups and it's like, okay, everyone's there. But it just feels like it's very purposeful. The way you guys just had everybody kept us aware of everything. I just really, it was a really well-run group. So from a community perspective, I'm always thinking, gosh, can I ever have a community like that? It just, there's just so much, it feels like there's so many pieces on the back end and it's just all working like a well-oiled machine. And so on the front end, everything always looked great. On the back end, if I ever had an issue, hey guys, you know, what do you think about this? Or is this that I, sure, I know you guys would just be so responsive. So on all ends, it just felt really plugged in and that's what I like about it. Yeah, that is an incredible community. And so Ginger's talking about Stu McLaren's community for membership site owners. I was the director of community there for three years. So I'm very familiar with how they run everything. But I think you're right. It's a big part of that. It's just Stu's energy that he brings. And I would always have people come to me and say, how do I duplicate Stu's community? I'm like, you can't because your energy is different. And oftentimes our communities are reflective, right, of our energy. If I were to build a community, it would not be like that because I just don't show up with that kind of vibe. Like I'm just not like super high energy. I'm high intensity, not high energy. I'm not like bubbly energy. Right. I think people would think I was high if I came in there like, are you okay? So it's like I try to just do it within, with, you know, with my own cadence and like my own personality. But yeah, I would say it's just really well run in just terms of I like the energy. Like I'm very much I'm not an introvert, but I, I'm definitely the person I soaks another person in. So I'd be like, OK, OK, OK. But just to see everyone's energy and enthusiasm, I would say that's probably one of the better ones I've been a part of. For sure. All right. Well, as much as. I would love and sure so many of our listeners right now would love for us to talk about how do you actually heal from generational trauma and toxic relationships? This is a business podcast. And you are an incredible business owner, you have this membership that has a couple thousand members in it, you've grown that in a short period of time. But one of the things that I think you just do so well. And your Instagram, and I'm sure other social media, but that's where I see it, your Instagram has really, really taken off is because you're able to get into the mind of the person that you want to serve and speak to them so clearly. And like oftentimes with humor, you take a very traumatic and hard to swallow topic that there's a lot of shame around and you bring light and humor into it. So can you talk just a little bit about how did that, like, as you were starting your business, like, how did you develop that skill? Like, where do you, where did you start to see that happen more and more? So I spent the better part of my early career, about six or seven years working with kids initially. And there were kids from like, you know, the foster care system. 
So they're coming from, you know, low socioeconomic backgrounds. You know, they have like a myriad of like challenges. But of course, what we're working with them on is attachment trauma because they've been taken out of their, taken out of their bio parents' home and now they're with um, a foster parent. So my job was to help them adjust to the new environment. Well, everyone's in survival mode, right? Because, you know, I don't have, you know, a lot of people think, if you're coming out of foster care, you should want to be away from the parent that hurt you. And that is the furthest thing from a foster kid's mind. They want to go back home for the most part. And so we're trying to get them to kind of acclimate to rules, to structure, to consistency, consistent food on the table. And they kind of resent that. And so understanding, helping the foster parent not internalize their struggle is always like, that was always a struggle in and of itself because you want them to be there. But I always tell people, don't become a foster parent because you want to give back because they will test that desire to give back. So knowing really, you know, so much about kids and their own attachment trauma, you know, doing play therapy with them. And then later on working with adults, you realize, I realized that regardless of where the adult hailed from in terms of like, you know, socioeconomic status, they had the same issues that the children had. And so if they had a problem, you know, attaching to their bio parent, because maybe the bio parent was on drugs, distant all the time, or just outside of the home for whatever reason, as an adult, this person would be what we would call an avoidant. They don't really know how to connect to others. They don't really know how to have real empathy and regard for someone else's feelings. And so really working with them to understand their own history. So I think working with kids really helps me understand the inner child in each adult today. So that's why I feel that I can speak to, like, I'll say, what our inner little girls, you know, and how we feel. We want to be wanted and we want to be seen. And I also hit this from the perspective of being a woman where, you know, I think that I definitely think that we're socialized differently from men. And so I think it's important for us to just even acknowledge that. I think there are people who will say, well, you know, you know, I'll get the typical, well, there only, is there only a 2% difference between our genes or something like that. But our experiences socially are so different. And so I will be talking to a woman from Romania. I'm talking to a woman from Budapest. And I was just really surprised by, I'm from Jamaica, living here in the States, how similar our experiences are in terms of like how we've been socialized. And men don't have that experience, right? And so being able to speak to the inner little girl who's going through all of these different changes, just wanting to be loved, but getting the message that, you know, in their very many ways, you're not good enough. You have to change this about yourself. You have to become this in order to be loved. So as a foster child, you are given a lot of those messages. As a child growing up in a home with parents who are in survival mode, they're trying to figure themselves out for a myriad of reasons you get the same message. So being able to speak to that, I think, comes from working with kids for so long because you're always have. for me, it was always having to communicate to the judge their internal experience. You know, do you think they should go back home to be with their parents? Should they be reunified? Um, And really, you know, translating play therapy conversations to this is the report that we have to send to the judge. And this is what, you know, the client said. This is what that means. And therefore, this is our disposition. So always having to translate that. That's why I'm able to kind of like, I don't know, I guess joke about it so much in the sense that I know the internal dialogue. And I think that if we kind of allow ourselves to laugh at ourselves sometimes, it doesn't feel so shaming and traumatic because some people are not at the place where they can talk about it 
let alone laugh about it. But I would say the majority of my audience is at a place where they can say, yeah, you know what? I probably don't want to do that again. And that was really crazy for me to do that. So it makes it easier for them to say with less judgment and more compassion. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have sent 50 text messages because I didn't hear from them. And yeah, you know, but gosh, that was just such a night. And looking back at it and thinking, you know, next time I'm going to self-soothe instead of sending 50 text messages, right? And so I think that when we help them to kind of ease the emotional load and just kind of like give them compassion and allow them to have empathy for themselves, it makes it easier to kind of look back and say, okay, so I think I want to do this differently, you know, next time. Yeah. And I think one of the things that is becoming really clear is that you you really had to be the voice for these kids. And you said at one point, like, I had to understand that inner dialogue and I had to communicate for them on their behalf. And that's what you do so beautifully for this community. I think oftentimes you say the things that they think but would never say. You say the things oftentimes in a humorous way that their friends probably want to say to them that they may not be communicating those things to them, although they feel like that person needs to hear it. But part of that, I mean, how much work have you done on really clearly identifying your avatar? So avatar being, you know, the description of the person we want to serve, because I think oftentimes, business owners, especially business experienced business owners who feel like they've been at the game for a while, they don't revisit that and they don't spend a whole lot of time on it. And even just based on what I've seen you do, I think it is worth everybody revisiting and really getting more clear on. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like and what your journey has been like trying to really develop that avatar? So it's interesting because it's literally what I'm doing now. I'm revamping it a little bit in terms of, you know, learning what today's language is so initially, in a nutshell, what I've done is I wanted to really speak directly to them. I'm a huge fan of writing great copy. So it's something that I would say, like, before I launched, I definitely focused on that. Like, how would I grab their attention and be direct? I'll, you know, I'll be honest, the judge that we had on the cases that I did, she was kind of a Judge Judy-style person. So you always had to be direct. You had to get to the point quickly. I did not want to mess up in that, you know, in front of her. So I wrote quickly to like get to the point and just be super direct. I've had therapists that are super direct. My mother's super direct. So it was never really hard. So I thought, how do I get someone's attention to know that I'm talking to you, right? Not, oh, did you go through a breakup? But, you know, are you chasing love that doesn't love you back? Are you loving hard and calling it? And are you, are you working for love and calling it, loving it, loving hard? Because a lot of people actually say that. So what I did early on was, um, before I launched, I did a challenge uh, via my Facebook group. In order to get into the Facebook group, one of the questions we asked is, what are the three things that keep you up at night about toxic relationships? Oh, such a good question. She said, what are the three things that keep you up at night when it relates to this? So good. Because that's actually why they're here. And so then if this were solved, what would that actually look like? In psychotherapy, we call that like the magic question. So if this were solved what would this actually look like? And so they would give us that question. So we'd have the before and we have the after. And so if you know in copy, you want to be able to speak to their before and you also want to be able to give them empowering language around their after. So we had that in a spreadsheet. I think we used group leads. I want to say it was this time. If not, I think it's still, um, we were using group leads. And so I have a whole spreadsheet of, you know, maybe 5,000 plus responses at this point. And then here's the hack. 
I forget where, because I can't find this tool now, but I asked the tool to exclude the words the, I, things like that, right? And tell me the most used word in that entire list. So for, uh, for my audience, it's rejection, abandonment, and betrayal, right? And so first chat GPT, now we can do a little bit more. I know, right? You, you put it all in there and say, analyze this for me, write my copy for me. <laughs> so I'm actually, like I routinely, like before I launch something, I will ask my audience and my stories, hey, you know, what are you struggling with right now? Like what's going on right now? And as of late, it's been situationships, right? These little temporary relationships where the woman wants more, maybe the other person doesn't. They get let on, let astray, breadcrumbed and ghosted. And there's a lot of heartbreak behind it. So we launched a program about situationships, a standalone program. And so they were able to tell me before, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Well, what are you planning to do about it? Are you, oh, well, you know, some of them are going to go on a heart sabbatical. Some want to know how to get over the situationships. So then we developed a program for situationships. When I first launched, I realized that what they were telling me were the they were need to be they were need to be formed into the master classes that I was going to need to launch that year, the following year. So then okay, so they were dealing with betrayal. So we have a class on betrayal trauma that we did that year, abandonment, core wounds of abandonment and rejection. So we have a lot of classes like premature attachment, I got to attach too quickly. So we formed a lot of the master classes based on that, which is what allowed us to grow so quickly because they're like, oh my God, I need to have that class on obsessive thoughts because I'm obsessing about this person and it's keeping me up at night. And I'd be like, got it. So when we did our challenge content, you know, in order for someone to join a challenge, you have to like speak to their pain points. So we did the challenge and uh, the challenge just covered everything. Of course, I did some things from um, Russell Brunson's, I think, uh, was it the soap opera style sequence or something like that? We used that as the challenge. You like how you have like the emails and the thing that you send them every day. I use a soap opera style sequence for that. And so that worked really well because they were like, so wait, you're a therapist and you experienced all of this? And I was like, yeah, it's me. I'm the person I'm talking about in the soap opera sequence. So that's worked really well. So today, the content that I asked them about probably about four or five months ago now, like what's keeping you up at night? You know, what is it that you're working on? If this were all fixed, what would that look like today? And then plugging it into ChatGPT and telling it to extrapolate the pain points that you get from these actual phrases here. So it extrapolates the pain points. And I want you to give me three literal life examples of what this would look like in a codependent and toxic relationship. And so it's been pumping it out. So, you know how to be, though, it kind of like stops sometimes. So I'm going to do this like 10 at a time because I got about 100 responses. And it categorizes it like gaslighting, manipulation. And I'm like, this is great. So now I'm revamping the copy. I think the copy has been good over the last few years, but I definitely like copy that speaks to their specific literal experience, you know? So I generally have like the three to five things that my audience goes through and so really honing in more on speaking to the specific issue. Yeah. It's so incredible to me, the power of those questions, you know, asking that question about what are the three things keeping you up at night as it relates to XYZ topic? What are you doing about it? Is there anything you're doing about it? And then if this were resolved, right, what would that look like? I mean, those are three very powerful questions. And I think if you're listening to this, and you're like, well, I don't have a Facebook group. I don't have a, like email your list. She said she puts it in Instagram stories, right? She's 
if you have a very small community, this is these are three questions that you could hop one-on-one on a call with people and ask these three questions. And you know, if you're not familiar what we're talking about throwing around chat GPT, you probably are, but if not, it's AI artificial intelligence tool that you can use. There's a free version. There's a paid version. It's probably going to be different by the time we talk. By the time this episode releases, there's probably going to be 50 versions of it. But it allows you to synthesize data and create copy based on the information that you're giving it. And so what she's saying is like, she's using it to analyze the answers to these questions to then write for her like situations and stories to bring that avatar to life even more. And I think this is so important because uh, we talk a lot about writing compelling copy for sales, but you all have heard me on this podcast talk about you got to write compelling copy in your membership because that's what keeps people around. That's what helps continue to build trust once they join. That's what helps them realize like, wait a second, because I haven't done XYZ yet and I've been here for six months, it's okay. Like this is normal. It's normal for me to feel this way. There are other people like me. We have to continually be relating to them and providing that compelling copy, even as members. Right. Even um, copy and she was talking about masterclass captions or something like that masterclass description. And I was like, really you need to have good comments? Like, well, yeah, because if they, they can see the title, but if they don't see like a compelling, re- a compelling reason to jump into that masterclass, then they just won't. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go back and like actually put in a caption inside the different math. Cause right now it's just like the titles. So I'm going to go back in and put like a snappy caption in there because I think that it would make them more curious. And then like Amazon does, right? Amazon has this thing where they go, you might also be interested in our related masterclasses. I think there's a plugin for that. Yeah. So just to keep them, you know, on the site longer and just like plugged in. So, but copy is everything. And I've known that for a while. And so as of late, I'm like, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's about time for a good copy refresh because it's been the same for a few years now. So yeah, I'm actually in that, pro- I was doing that like earlier this morning because like I knew I had to, we were going to do this today. I was like, we could extra early and like get into it because I was really excited. I was like, what would it be like if ChatGPT were to take these phrases and tell me, you know, in a general sense, what's the pain point about this person? You know, so it's like, I gave them 100% and they gave me 1%. So ChatGPT is like giving your partner everything and feeling like they don't put as much effort into it. Because I wanted it to understand what it was then going to do next because I had to like break down the steps. And so then it's like giving, so I said, give me three examples for this extrapolated pain point. And so, you know, I add a little sass to it, but you can tell it also to like whatever your tone of voice is. And so in my mind, as I'm like looking at the responses, I can get a sense of like who I'm dealing with. So for example, we talk about psychographics of your different avatars, right? So, you know, we have women who are married, meaning that they are separated. We have women who are widowed. We have women who are single in complicated relationships. We have women who are in relationships. Each of them have a different core pain point, right? So I try to cover all of them in my copy. So the woman who is in her relationship and probably at a crossroads, probably doesn't need to hear me say that she needs to leave the relationship because that's probably not what she wants to do. But the single woman who there's been physical abuse, financial abuse, emotional abuse, you need to go ahead and leave that alone. 
So the conversation is different. So different posts have different target audiences. But I would say the vast majority of people are single or in just some, some sort of like complicated relationship. But we try to speak to each person in, in our own in their own way or in our own way to them. Yeah, I just love how it keeps coming back to the avatar, really understanding the avatar and not just the demographics, right? But the psychographics and what is keeping them up at night and being able to speak to that and voice it for them. And that's one of the things I really like about your Instagram account is that it feels like their girlfriends just an account that their girlfriend has, who's like posting this kind of like funny things. And then all of a sudden, like you hit them with some real wisdom, right? And some like, real like, and there's a way out of this as well. And I can help you get out. And so it's like, they don't feel like they're being sold to. Right. They'll be like, where did you get this meme? And how did you even know to write this caption? I'm like, like, so I had a cat, uh, I think it, I had a cat, as, there was a meme about a cat up there. And the cat has it with this really, like, scrunched up face. Um, it's a ragdoll cat. Um, and I want to say it's Mr. Merlin, that's the cat. But this, the facial expression of the cat is one of women who are coming out of a heart sabbatical where they haven't dated for a while. And they're looking at the dating pool and they're like, I don't think I want to do this, right? <laughs> yeah. Raccoon that just came out of a green bin. And I thought it was so funny because that look of just like, I think I just want to go back inside, right? But how a lot of them feel. So they also send me the memes every day because they know like I'm going to have something snappy to say about it in the caption. So they love it because they're like, I love how you can take something lighthearted and make it relatable to us, like a cat, right? But immediately when I saw the cat, I'm like, this is how some, this is how some of the ladies talk about coming back into the dating pool. They're just like, do I really want to do this? Do I want to go dance with the here in the dating pool? Because I, I'm done with this life. So I don't really know that I want to dip back in there. Do I need to go to another dating pool? But the cat just had the perfect like expression. It was so cute. Yeah, I want it to feed because I think, you know, we have their coaches on Instagram and then our psychotherapists on Instagram. And it, they definitely have a different code for us, right? And so they tend to think we don't go through anything. We haven't experienced any of the things that you know, they've gone through. We can't possibly know what it's like to have parents that probably didn't love us enough. We can't possibly know what it's like to have someone string us along and break our hearts. And when they hear that, they're like, so you did this? You went through that too? And I'm like, yeah. I told them on Sunday we had our live, uh, live masterclass. And I said, you know, the lead up to our masterclass production is so stressful for me. But once I'm here, I'm fine. Like leading up to this, I was like, oh my God, I gotta do this. But I'm fine right now, right? And they're like, I was surprised when she said, it's so good to hear that because it just makes me feel so much like more like us, like more human. And I was just like, why do you guys think that we're not human? Like we're, we're just like, so I like to, I give them examples of my own stuff that I've gone through. And I think it's also important to, I don't want to say make light of the issues, but also, but just more so not make it so like you're such an awful person for dating this person, right? I will sometimes say, you know, we have our own stuff that we have to look at, right? And there are often things that we've learned growing up while in survival mode that helps us navigate these relationships. But there are also the things that keep us in these relationships. So really beginning to look at that because I may date someone and I may not like the fact that the person without a job cannot take me on a date. But if I date someone like that, I also have more control of them if I have more money than they do. 
or if I have more resources than they do. So we have to kind of, well, why do I want to date someone who is not even ready on a really basic level for a relationship? Well, I like control more so than I do partnership and vulnerability. Well, where does that come from? Well, I watched my mother work her butt off, you know, because maybe dad wasn't a home. I'm home a lot. So I watched her have to be tough and I watched her have to do it all. And so what was she doing? She was mom and she was in control. There's no real room for her to be vulnerable. So now today you are an adult and that's what you're doing. You're being a mom to your partners versus being a partner to them. So you're choosing people that need to be mothered. So with that realization, they can be like, so wait a minute, this is a thing. Like This is very much a thing. And they'll be like, you're in my head. How do you do this? And I'm like, I've been there. I know what that feels like. So I think they feel seen. They feel heard. They feel acknowledged when you can literally just talk to their internal. I learned something a while ago, and I don't remember who I learned this from. But if you can speak to their internal experience that they're afraid of voicing, you will hit gold every time because you'll help someone understand. Well, you'll help someone feel seen and understood. And so more than anything else, because I know that when you've been in a string of toxic relationships, your friends are sick of hearing about it. So you often feel alone and like you don't really have just a lot of people to talk to. So I think for me, I want them to feel like they're understood. I want them to feel like when you're ready, we will be here, right? We don't teach you how to leave the relationship. You have to make that decision already. But when you're ready, we're here. But in the meantime, let me just give you some information about like what your internal experience is so that you'll realize that we truly do get where you're coming from. Yeah. And I think the beautiful thing about all this is that it is creating safety. And so I talk a lot about that inside of my community framework. One of the pillars is connection. And I just continually talk about how without safety, connection cannot happen. And so I can imagine that you are in many ways dealing with a very vulnerable community of people who have traditionally not felt safe. And so then to bring them into a community together and try and convince them that they are safe, they can share here, they can change here, all of those sorts of things, and they're still going to be loved and accepted and all that is probably really challenging. So what's nice about this is that because you start that kind of connection and speaking to their inner experience and really voicing for them and in sometimes a serious way and sometimes in a humorous way what they're going through and eliminating that shame, you're already building that trust so early on. And then they get into the challenge or whatever it might be. And they experience it at a deeper level. They start to really internalize it for themselves. Like, whoa, okay, wait a second. The stuff she's saying is funny. It is true. And maybe it's true for me. Oh, and there's a way out because I don't want to act this way, feel this way anymore. There's a way out. And this person has not only helped other people get out of this and experience the other side, but they also have experienced this themselves. And so now they're like, okay, I'm in because I can trust this person. And then do you experience like when people join your membership, you have thousands of members in there, again, a very sensitive topic. Do you experience that where it feels like they go deep quick, they are able to be authentic pretty quick? Yeah, we definitely have some wallflowers there, which is fine. I expect that. And so, we, you know, in Facebook groups, you have people who can post anonymous. So I, I love that now because our group is far more, um, I would say, a lot more people feel comfortable 
posting their stuff because they feel like, oh, I don't want it. And, you know, I'll see, like, for example, you know, one person may have been posting four times the previous week about something. They feel some kind of shame about it. So then they'll come back and post something that's anonymous. And I'm like, you know, they're like, is that okay? Like, it's totally fine. You can do whatever you want to do. As long as you're respectful, I'm fine. But yeah, they share quite a bit with each other because even the people who are on the fence, on the sidelines, they see that there are so many different personalities. And one of the things I can appreciate about the group is that they're very direct and they hold each other accountable. They're no one sugarcoats anyone there. They're not cruel. Don't get me wrong. And, but I love that they can say, but you don't deserve that. Not staying it a little bit longer to see whether or not they change because you know everyone has a bad day. But the person is just as physical violence and having a restraining order. We've had people post, you know, room has just been messed over because it was like physical abuse. So, you know, they know to put trigger warning and things like that before the post goes live. And I'll say to them, hey, before this goes live, because I used to approve them, can you put a trigger warning on this? Or if it is live, please put a trigger warning this but i am often surprised by how deep they go and how vulnerable they are with each other but again it's being modeled by other girls in the community so i love that for them because again unless it's your therapist's office or you have a bestie that's just committed to like listening to you around the clock where else do we have this community to say yeah i my ex has done all these different things to me but i still can't get over them i can't stop thinking but i'm still going to their house at two o'clock in the morning to see who's over there. You know, I'm sending them 50 text messages and you'll have ladies chime in that say, yeah, I went through that too. When I experienced that, this is what happened to me. And this is how I actually was able to move past that. And one of the things that we've really helped them do is look at what the person is asking. Don't necessarily go towards, well, this happened to me. So therefore this has to be happening to you. Look at it as I'll often say, Sometimes they'll just put something out there and I'll say, well, what do you need from us right now? Tell me what you need. Instead of trying to problem solve or like give advice immediately. If they say advice, we have hashtag advice. Um, we have hashtag question and just different hashtags that people can go through. And so it's great because they know like we're going to be here. We're going to be supportive. Do you have people sometimes who are like at conflict with like how to handle a particular issue? It happens. But I think. It's been great because, you know, you have the, in our niche, there's the anxiously attached delegation of people and you have the avoidantly attached delegation of people. In relationships, they tend to be at odds with each other. What I love about the membership is that I've watched, you know, anxiously attached people just have like a lot of um, just angst towards the other side. And I think as an avoidant woman, they're able to say, well, you know what? I may have wanted in this situation that you're describing, and this is how I would feel if it were me. They receive that very differently than if it was their partner telling them, I need space, and this is why. If it's another woman saying, yeah, I'm avoided too. And I know that when you try to tell us too much too soon or you want too much from us before we're able to digest it, then it can feel too much. It's not about you. It really is about this internal like response I have where I want to shut down. I want, I just don't want to talk when they can hear that as opposed to internalizing, not wanting to talk as I don't want to talk to you because I don't like you versus, Oh, so this is a thing where just like I get get scared 
inside and I want to yell, instead of yelling for them, they just retreat. So being able to have the group kind of like communicate that to each other. So I remember that thread did get a little heated, but it was great to see because they were able to see like, well, avoided people aren't evil. They're human just like you. They have the exact same internal experience. They just express it differently. But because the messenger was different, that original poster, they were able to get that. Okay, so it's not really me. This is how they're responding to me. Yeah, so they're able to get that. They're able to get that additional perspective. And I think also one of the things that I recognize from what you were saying is that they not only have a place where they are safe to be who they are today, but the community, it sounds like, and you are really calling them into something more. Whereas I think oftentimes people in these kinds of relationships, the people surrounding them are in those kinds of relationships too, and can, without knowing it, try and hold that person back and keep them in something toxic because they, you know, they wouldn't consciously say this, but they feel good about their toxic relationship as long as this person's in a toxic relationship. And so oftentimes you can get your stuff, you can get yourself stuck in a friend group that thrives on drama and thrives on toxicity. And so to have this community where yes, yes, you can come here and yes, you can bring your junk. And yes, we understand everybody's at different phases in this process. And yet we are not going to allow you to not have hope for what's possible for you. Like we're here to hold space for the future you that it doesn't struggle with all of this or is at least able to to manage within it. So I think that's really beautiful that you don't coddle them in that because a, a lot of people I think have communities where people come with their drama, people come with their challenges. And in an effort to be overly kind, we're not actually encouraging them towards the transformation that they've paid for in that community. Yes. And so one of the things I used to say to my clients is, I want to tell you all of this stuff now because you can decide that you're not going to come back next week. So let's talk about the critical things that you need to take away from the session and you know, have a back and forth about it. But I think it's important for us to be honest, right? Because there's always this risk of like sugarcoating someone and then something awful happens. And then you're like, oh gosh, like what if I had decided to have this conversation? But sometimes you think as a therapist, well, maybe they're not ready for this part just yet, right? Now, of course, we assess, you know, someone's ego strength to be like, you know, can they handle this conversation now? But they can typically handle the conversation once you have built rapport, once you have been able to establish safety with them. So I love that we can be direct without being cool with each other. Because I think in this niche, there's a lot of coddling. There's a lot of, uh, well, it's okay if you called them 100 times. They shouldn't have, like, they shouldn't have been non-responsive. It's like one doesn't equal another, right? Like, because when their partners do it to them, it's, oh, my God, I need a restraining order. But if their partner's like, I need a restraining order, like, why would you want to do that? Like, it's like, it's on both sides. So if you wouldn't want them to crowd you like this to be sending threatening messages. You can't do that either. And so they say that to each other. They're like, yeah, well, that would feel a little bit too much to me. What do you think? And so the people will chime in and say, yeah, that happened to me too. And they'll be like, okay, okay. You know, and they'll, it's easier to hear that from a fellow group member than it is like their partner. Because if their part their partner would deal with post text messages. If their partner says the same thing, it's like it's World War Four. But if it's in the group, the group 
okay, you know, I can get that now. So the community aspect of it, I think, I think initially people, they discount it, but they don't realize how lonely they are until they come in and see 15 messages on Facebook. Oh, that's me. Oh, but that's me. That's me too. And people message me and say, oh my gosh, like they actually, this is a thing like, I've seen 10 messages about this. So this actually happens to other people. Yeah. Like someone stopped talking to you two months and then just dip right back in. Yeah. But if they're not talking to their friends, talking to a therapist, and I think I have to remember how it was for me before I really dipped into what I'm doing now. You really don't know unless you're really, and even the textbooks, the textbooks are not really going over, at least they weren't back then someone not talking to you for two months and then popping back up as if nothing is wrong, right? It was just very much like attachment styles. This is your trauma and this is what happens, but it wasn't connecting the two, right? So I love that I'm able to connect. A mother who gave you the silent treatment going up being the reason why you normalize it today in your adult relationships. So someone saying to me, oh yeah, this part of it. Okay, so this is why you do that. Okay. And they'll be like, but wait, that's a thing. That is absolutely a thing, right? You normalize stuff like that. So I love that I'm not the only voice. And also I'll say this, I'm not terribly, like I answer questions a few times a week, but more specifically, I tell them, if you want me to answer a question for you, tag me, right? There's this thing of like, I've heard this from someone like mommy coming in to tell people like, this is not how you want to do things, Right. It very differently from me than say their fellow group members, but if they do want my feedback, they'll tag me. So I go in and I answer. But some questions I can see where it's like they want to talk amongst themselves because sometimes what they're talking about might not be the issue, and I'm like, I'll let them hash it out because ultimately you're giving them the, the space and the grace to be able to talk to each other and get to a solution with each other. You know, without me saying, "Oh no, this is what you need to do." Mm -hmm. Which is great advice for a lot of my clients and people listening to this that have coaching memberships that I think oftentimes they always want to default to coaching and they're like, oh gosh, I know the question behind the question. But sometimes it's like you just need to let them like run with it a little bit and not feel all the time like they're going to have to take it to another level. But I think the thing that I have I've recognized through all of this as we wrap up is just your deep, deep knowledge of your avatar and their inner thoughts. Like you're just continually, it's on your lips. You just keep talking about it and talking about it. And I think oftentimes business owners, well, I know business owners that are struggling to convert and they are struggling to get engagement going in their community and they're struggling in all these areas. And when I start asking them questions, it does come down to, I haven't really gotten clear on my avatar. I don't really know their psychographics. I don't really know what's keeping them up at night. All I know is kind of what I think. And then I make it this like, oh, well, of course, everybody wants to like, make more money and have more time freedom or whatever. But the deeper you can go into that, not only the more sales you can get and the more you can retain people, but the better you'll actually be able to help people reach the transformation that you're selling, because it takes that level of trust for people to take action at the end of the day and to trust the advice that you're giving them. So um, if you haven't in a while, 
do the work. Ask the three questions that gender is saying to ask. Put it into chat, chat GPT. See what you can get out of it. But just keep going back to really understanding your people more and stay plugged into your community. I know so many business owners that pull out of the community. The bigger it gets, the more team they have, they start spending less and less time there. And maybe you're contributing less but be in there listening more because this is where you'll just continue to get that information and refine how you're talking to your future members and your current ones. Right. And I think that, you know, when you're in the comments or you're in you know, your own communities, what you just mentioned about the transformation, you know where they want to go. It's not sometimes, you know, I had to learn this too. When I first came on Instagram, if I can just say this, a lot of it was, I want to find my soulmate. I want to find my soulmate. Right. And here I am behind scenes in psychotherapy, like, but we're not ready for the soulmate. We're still stalking the ex, right? And I'm like, oh, a few of us are starting to talk about healing some more. And then it became like, they would then tell me, like, it's not so much about the soulmate. I just don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to feel like I don't like myself anymore. That was surprising to me because as a therapist, when they come into your office, that person knows the issue. They know they have a problem. On Instagram, they don't necessarily know that they have an issue. They just know they're Googling someone's behavior at night. And so that was something that I learned by just listening. It's like, oh, so you don't want to get married and have kids by 25 to this same person? And they're like, no, in all honesty, I just don't like how I feel when I'm with them. And that was like one of the biggest realizations for me. I just thought, oh, every woman wants to find their soulmate, have babies and settle down latest 30. And I went, I did that. And it was just like, oh, okay, you don't want to do that too? And they were like, yeah, that was the goal initially. But the way I feel about myself, they'll tell you, like, I will sabotage and derail the relationship because that would be too much stability. So the the shoe doesn't drop, they have to make it drop. So I have a meme about that up right now. But yeah, I think that when you listen to them, you have your own assumptions about what you think the transformation needs to be. And we also, we often have this like really complicated transformation in there. And for them, it's literally the next step that they do. And that's enough for them. And so like, it allows that baby step that like gives them momentum to get to the next step. But we're thinking 10 steps ahead for them. Really, we just need them to get to the next step and to the next step. I love that. Focus on that next step. So Ginger, what's the best way for people to stay in touch with you. Obviously, I want you to share your Instagram because I think it is just genius and people need to be following that. But what other ways should people be in touch with you? Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, facebook.com uh, slash loving me after we same thing on TikTok, same thing on YouTube and Pinterest. So I'm pretty much the same name all over. Um, my website is lovingmeaftermeat.com. Shoot me a message if you want to get in touch, but I'm mainly active. I'm mostly active on Instagram. Which is loving me after we as well. Loving me after we as well, yes. Good. And you can also follow her book journey because she just submitted a manuscript. So we will have a book coming from Ginger that I think many of us need to read and give to those that we love. So Ginger, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you for having me. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe. Then do me a favor and leave a review letting me know what you want to hear more of. To learn more about the show or connect with me, head to shanalyn.com. That's S-H-A-N-A-L-Y-N-N.com. Until next time. 
Hey, if you're serious about creating a thriving online community, then you need to really understand the four foundations of every thriving community. I'm going to teach it to you in a free seven-minute training. That's right. It's just seven minutes. You don't even have to give me your email address to get access. All you have to do is go to freecommunitytraining.com or DM me the word training over on Instagram to get access.